Hi everyone, I'm Mark Mulholland. Welcome to The Upbeat, a podcast about hope and perseverance. Today my guest is an elementary school teacher who's battled cancer and through his journey has become part of the Kelly's Angels community. A reminder to any new listeners that Kelly's Angels is a not-for-profit organization that we started in 2010 in memory of my wife, Kelly Mulholland, who passed from breast cancer when our two children, Connor and McKenna, were only seven and five years old. Kelly's Angels helps children and their families in New York's capital region who've been affected by cancer or other life-threatening conditions. We provide grants and scholarships to help children and their families smile during difficult times. I'm joined by teacher Jeff Bizon of Boston Spa, New York. Jeff is a national board certified teacher and a New York State master teacher. Thanks for being here, Jeff. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. I'm a teacher at Lake George Elementary School. I have a really cool job there. It's called uh, High Potential, which is kind of like an enrichment position where I work with every student in the school and I teach STEM to them as well. So robotics, computer science, engineering. Outside of Lake George, uh, I teach teachers all across New York State. Been doing that for about eight years now. Um, my wife and I have been married for 10 years. She's a teacher as well. Um, we actually met at Stillwater where we first started teaching together. And uh, we have two kids. Uh, my son Jack is eight and my daughter Charlotte is five. What was it about teaching that attracted you to that profession and to elementary education in particular? My third grade teacher, believe it or not, uh, inspired me to become a teacher. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a, a really awesome teacher when I was young. Uh, she really connected with me. And um, I remember in high school, I, I, I actually took like a course. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And after taking this course, which was great and everything, I realized I did not want to be an engineer. So uh, teaching was uh, the thing that kind of always stood out to me. And um, kind of cool story, when I was in school to be a teacher, I went back to Mrs. Beery uh, and told her that. And I did my first like field work in her classroom, my old classroom growing up. Jeff, I'd like to change gears and talk about your recent health battle. Tell me about your diagnosis. I was diagnosed with a type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a blood cancer, um, on January 4th, 2021. I, um, last August, right after my birthday actually, I noticed a lump in my neck. Um, and immediately I was like, this doesn't look right kind of thing. So uh, a couple weeks passed, they had seen my doctor. Um, and then finally they're like, let's have a biopsy just to be safe, to be ultra safe. And um, the first time around, they, uh, it came back benign. They said, oh, you're fine. It's a, it's a tissue in the wrong spot. You're gonna be fine. Eight weeks later though, it grew back, same size, same shape second biopsy. Um, I missed a bunch of school, um, you know, basically quarantining myself before the surgery, so a week at a time. And um, it was the first day back after Christmas break on January 4th, I got a call. First thing in the morning, I just taught my first class. My doctor had called me and said, it's cancer, you gotta stop everything and go home basically. And uh, the first person I told was my principal, Mr. Conway at Lake George, who I'm pretty close with. And, um, you know, he was the first one to say, you're going to be all right kind of thing. But um, from there, it was, uh, it, was, it was really tough, you know, being able to tell your wife that you have cancer and then just myself trying to comprehend, you know, what's going to happen, what does this mean, what kind, and all that kind of stuff. So it was tough. You mentioned getting the call from your doctor while you were at work. That had to be incredibly difficult. Can you take us through what you were thinking and feeling in that moment? 
I immediately thought of my wife and my kids and you know how I wanted to be there, you know, to see my daughter walk down the wedding aisle and stuff like that. And uh, I just wanted to make sure I, you know, immediately it was like fight or flight mode. And, um, you know, once, once we, you know, got all the grinding out of our system and, and came up with a plan, that became our main focus. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Can you tell me a little bit about your treatment journey and how it affected both you and your family? So January 4th, I get the, uh, the word that I, I have cancer. Um, and it wasn't until uh, maybe a week later where I actually found out what kind of cancer. So I, I had a doctor up in the capital region that my, you know, was my primary care provider and I needed to find an expert because the type of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma I had was an extremely rare one called Burkitt. So like less than 2% of all non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is this subtype. And they use words like aggressive, and it's really kind of frightening when you hear that. But fortunately, um, I found a oncologist at Sloan Kettering in New York City, who had told us, um, you know, we did it through telehealth. Um, she had said that, yes, it's aggressive and all, but it responds well to aggressive chemotherapy. And she basically said like, you know, 100% cure rate kind of thing. Now we know nothing's 100%, but that really boosted our spirits and gave us a lot of hope and focus and like, okay, we can do this, we can do this. So after, I would say within two weeks of getting the diagnosis and the subtype, um, I had a port in my chest, which I still have. It's coming out in a month or two, I hope. So I, I, I got the word to take it out, which is great. But within two weeks of the diagnosis, I started uh, treatment. Um, I found a different oncologist up here who worked at Albany Medical Center. For a quick second, we thought we were going down to Sloan Kettering in New York every three weeks, but um, fortunately we had to do it at Albany Medical Center instead, so it was closer to home. Um, I had six rounds though, and um, I basically was in the hospital by myself for six days straight. Every 21 days, every three week cycle, it would repeat. Um, the chemotherapy was, uh, was very strong, um, so much so that it was like four of the biggest IV bags you'll ever see. And it was 96 hours straight. So I slept with it. I, you know, I, uh, I was in a very small room at first. Um, um, and you know, the, the, I don't know I'll say the hardest part, but the thing that really messed with you too, was that you're doing this all during a pandemic. So, um, my first round was very different than my last round being in the hospital. First round, I had a room with somebody else who you know, was in there, not battling cancer, but had some type of hematological disorder or whatnot. And uh, my second round, uh, there was a breakout on the oncology floor. Everybody got it. Um, I didn't, uh, fortunately. Um, they put me in like a, an ICU room, basically, where you had like the oxygen cut off in the room. It's kind of crazy but I could not leave my room, basically, no visitors. Um, I learned all the nurses and doctors' names <laughs> instantly. Um, I'm a people person and, uh, you know, thank God for iPads and FaceTime, because uh, it would have been really hard. And fortunately, uh, in the springtime, I finished in May, but around April, I wanna say, I was able to have visitors. So my parents, my wife, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, brother-in-law, uh, they came in and, uh, you know, the first time my wife was able to come in to see me, it was, you know, like a little date night in the hospital kind of thing. Um, and then I was also able to leave my room and walk the floor and it was hard. 
but um, uh, you know, didn't lose hope at all. Um, my kids, the family motivated me to, you know, focus. That was my full-time job, basically. And I was very fortunate that, um, you know, I did not really suffer any side effects. My first round, I was like, what is this going to do to me? What is it going to feel like? Um, you know, am I going to be sick? Am I going to be visible, really nauseous and stuff? And I remember coming home, not being able to shower for five days. That was the first thing to do is take a shower. And then I had to go to the clinic at MYOH um, every day after treatment, basically, to get something that would boost your white blood cell count. And um, I drove myself and I was like, I can do it. I can do it. And then when I saw, um, you know, people of all different walks of life in the clinic, especially elderly people there all by themselves, I just was like, all right, toughen up, man. You, you can do this. You know, it's, you're, you, prior to getting cancer, I was in the best shape of my life. Avid runner. I was into weightlifting, you know, we got the Peloton, all that stuff. We were, I, I was seriously in the best shape of my life. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff is a good, it's a good stress relief, but also it really helped me to focus. And I was still able to do a decent amount of those things until uh, the treatment started to uh, stack on top of each other. So, yeah. You mentioned hope, and this is a podcast about hope and perseverance. What was your mindset like while you were battling? So if you were to ask my wife one trait about me, it would be that I was always a very positive person. And I, I'm pretty sure I was pretty positive throughout the entire uh, treatment journey as well. 12 years ago, I actually ran a marathon for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for team and training. And I didn't know anybody with that type of cancer. I knew it was a blood cancer. I knew there was a lot of it. Um, but, you know, people thought I was crazy that you're never going to run a marathon, let alone raise $4,000. But that motivated me um, beyond anything I've ever been motivated in my life to do. And once I did that, I, something changed inside me where I, you know, I felt like I could do anything. And I became a very confident person. Um, after that, <laughs> really like a life-changing thing. So I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but 12 years later, I was the one who had blood cancer and the Leukemia Lymphoma Society was actually like the first phone call I reached out to. And they provided us with all sorts of uh, materials and, and help basically. I'm curious about how your training and experience as an elementary school teacher came into play when you were communicating to your children who are very young about what you were dealing with, which was so personal and potentially life-threatening. How did you and your wife talk to your kids? That was a great question. So um, Jen and I, um, we, we were asking that question immediately. Um, we talked to a couple people through the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I believe it was a social worker who uh, pointed us in the right direction of some children's books and how to bring it up. And I remember uh, vividly saying to Jack and Charlotte, who were seven and four at the time, you know, um, daddy has something inside his body that is sick and, you know, he needs to go to the hospital to, to make him better, basically. And we found a couple books, um, one that was like Cancer Hates Kisses. Um, and then there was another one, too, that talked about ports and chemotherapy and radiation and stuff like that. And my daughter really responded well to those books. My son, I felt like he internalized a lot of things, um, but he's been doing really well with it. Um, before each round, too, I, uh, I wasn't much of a writer, I would say, but um, I would write them. 
I wrote Jack, Charlotte, and then my wife, Jen, a letter the night before each round. And uh, hopefully they keep them and stuff like that. But I would always hide it in the rooms too. So they, you know, that first night when I wasn't there, they would have to find the letter from daddy. So, and then we would FaceTime every night and I would read to them and stuff. But um, those children's books, you know, the, the fact that you were gonna lose all your hair and stuff, um, it was my goal though, to just be me as much as I could, but also for their well-being, to just let them know they're loved and that, you know, everything's gonna be okay kind of thing. Um, it was super important for us to make sure that, you know, they saw us being our normal selves through a challenging time. We're going to take a quick break to thank our underwriters and then I'll continue my conversation with Jeff. Support for Kelly's Angels comes from the students and faculty at South Queens Falls High School in upstate New York who hold a 24-hour marathon dance each year to benefit local charities. Kelly's Angels is proud to be among the beneficiaries of the 2022 South High Marathon Dance. We are grateful for their generosity and kindness. Support also comes from Stewart's Shops, an employee and family-owned convenience store chain serving eastern upstate New York and southwestern Vermont. And from Noble Ace Hardware in South Glens Falls, New York, which offers competitive pricing and high-quality products for just about anything you need. For more than 30 years, the team at Noble Ace has delivered on its promise to be the most helpful hardware store in town by providing excellent customer service that exceeds expectations and reflects family values during each and every visit. Now back to my dad's interview with Jeff. Welcome back. I'm talking with Jeff Bizon, a teacher and cancer survivor from Boston Spa, New York. You shared that your wife, Jen, was instrumental in helping you through your battle with a rare type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. While you were in the hospital getting treatment, unable to have visitors because of the pandemic, Jen was at home holding the fort down, taking care of your two children. Can you tell me about Jen's role and how important the support of family was for you? I'm fortunate my wife is, is very strong. She's one of the strongest people I know. And, um, you know, once we, we understood the diagnosis and the treatment plan, we really put all of our you know, faith and trust into that. And again, trying to create as a, a normal life for our kids during that, you know, I don't know how many months it was uh, during that time. Um, when I was home, again, I was, I was doing all the normal things I could with my kids, playing, reading with them. I, was, I made sure to get up and you know, walk around, try to be as active as I could, walking around the neighborhood. Um, the night before each round in the hospital too, I, I brought our, a tent and we used to sleep in the living room one night, all of us together. Um, and we did that every single round. So just trying to keep things normal as best as you can. Um, not being afraid to, to ask for help. A social worker, um, one of our neighbors is actually one, and he kind of talked to both of us a little bit um, and it really helped stable your mindset. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help. And honestly, now, um, you know, I'm, I've been in re complete remission for almost a year now. And um, just now I found a social worker because so many people are looking for mental health help right now. Um, I've just found somebody that I really have bonded with and I'm, and I'm, I feel like I need to talk to somebody to really work everything out. And, uh, you know, I feel sometimes like I, I want to be back to my old self, but I want to be a better person. Um, because one thing I haven't mentioned yet is so many people came to help our family 
And that's actually one of the hardest things I struggle with is like, how can I repay this? I thought I was a good person, um, but what people did for us is very, very awesome stuff. Tara DeLoya, who serves on the Kelly's Angels board, nominated your children for fund grants so they could have a little joy during what has been a stressful and difficult time for your family. Would you share with our listeners what you did with those fund grants? Tara, again, is a close friend of ours. And um, uh, I, I don't remember if she, I think Jen kind of kept it a secret for me and stuff, but she came over and the kids had no idea. And their eyes lit up when they when she read the letter. Um, and they're like, well, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? So they kind of had, you know, something for something fun to look forward to for sure. And, um, you know, um, a few months after that, once treatment is finished, um, my wife and I were like, we're going to Disney World. They they deserve something special. We don't care how much it's going to cost. Um, let's just go. Let's just go. And um, we saved, you know, the, the grant fund grant for that. Um, and we had an awesome time. Great time. As you mentioned, your experience with cancer has made you want to give back because of all the support you got. And you didn't waste any time in doing that. As soon as you finished your treatments, you got back to work. Would you share with us what you did? So I returned back to work um, after 11 and a half months of not being at school. I came back right around Thanksgiving. And uh, my principal, again, he was the first person um, I told my diagnosis about to. Uh, he had told me that um, there was a student in our building who has had two different types of cancers at a very young age and she's doing well and stuff like that. So I, he knows that he knew that I wanted to help others. Um, and he kind of tasked me with that first. So, uh, we did a little fundraiser in our school and, um, I wanted to pay it forward as, you know, as Tara, um, um, recommended our kids to receive the fund grant. I go, well, what about her? Then she absolutely deserves it. And, uh, you know, the first time I met her, um, uh, you know, I just kind of try to put what I went through, but somebody that young and I was just like, oh, wow, she needs something, you know, this needs something special. I can't imagine how, you know, courageous and brave um, a little girl must have been um, to go through what she went through at that time maybe not understanding it as much as, as someone like myself, you know, being a science teacher, I studied and learned a great deal about, you know, everything, but, um, you know, getting an MRI, being through that, um, you know, how, how, how frightening it must have been, but she did it. And that young student did receive a fund grant from Kelly's Angels to help her smile during her battle with cancer, thanks to you. Jeff, what advice do you have for other families who are facing life-threatening health battles? I would recommend definitely uh, maybe a second opinion. Uh, there's always time to do that. Um, make sure you have uh, a support team that you trust, like your doctors that you have a good relationship with, um, but also for your family and your friends. Um, one of the first things we did, I forget who did it, might've been my sister-in-law, made a website, uh, Caring Bridge, I think it was, um, so that, you know, people wouldn't come to us and it can be, I can imagine it being stressful every time somebody asks you, are you okay, are you okay? So we made a, a site where we shared, you know, updates and how we were doing and things like that. And also it directed people how they could help us, how I could help our families. And we had a meal train, which was great. Not having to worry about dinners. Um, there's lots of things like that, but um, you know, making sure again, you, ha you have a, a doctor that you, um, you, 
you trust and a plan you trust. And then just, you know, making sure everything for that plan gets carried out as best as you can. Cancer stinks. It could happen to anyone. You do everything right in your whole life and it can still find your way there. But, um, you know, the, there's amazing marvels of medicine out there today that um, can make this stuff go away and make it better. So, um, and I think it's very important too to keep, um, you know, funding research and fundraising. Um, I know personally, like my chemotherapy didn't exist 20 years ago. And, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of new things that are coming out, clinical trials that are very exciting and do provide hope for people who have, you know, severe um, and, and not fortunate uh, diagnoses. Medical advancements are certainly providing a lot of hope. Jeff, before we wrap up our discussion, another way that you are paying it forward is by participating in Kelly's Angels annual fundraiser, the Mother Lovin' 5K, which is coming up on Mother's Day morning at the Saratoga Spa State Park. We're so glad you'll be joining us. I love to run, and um, while I, I, I had to take a while off from running, uh, I think this is gonna be my first actual like 5K in a few years. Um, I'm gonna have the whole family there. Last year in May, and, and uh, it was virtual, I believe, right? And we did the walk, but uh, I, I just wanna, I, again, I kind of feel like a sense of how can I help others, and uh, th this will be a great event, as it always is. Um, but a little more personal this year <laughs> in more ways than one kind of thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Jeff, thank you for being on The Upbeat and sharing your inspiring story. Thank you for all you do in the classroom and the lessons you're teaching all of us through your personal demonstration of courage, perseverance, and kindness. We'll see you at the Mother Love and 5K, and I hope that everyone listening will go to kellysangelsinc.org to register. One of the amazing things that happened during the pandemic when we had to hold the Mother Love and 5K virtually is that we attracted participants from every single state in the U.S. plus Puerto Rico. So I invite all of our listeners, no matter where you live, to join us in person or virtually. Go to kellysangelsinc.org to learn more and to register. It's $30, and that price includes a commemorative race shirt. And most importantly, all proceeds benefit Kelly's Angels and families like Jeff's. Coming up on our next episode, we'll hear from a young boy who recently lost his father to cancer. He and his mom will share how they're moving forward in the face of grief. It's a story of resilience and grace and one you won't want to miss. I'm Mark Mulholland. Until next time, stay on The Upbeat. If you enjoy The Upbeat, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have topics you'd like us to cover on The Upbeat, please send your ideas to theupbeatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. On behalf of the volunteer board of Kelly's Angels and the families we help who are facing life-threatening conditions, thank you for listening to The Upbeat. Nice job, McKenna Rose. Thanks, Dad. You too.